Welcome to the search for real answers in a modern world, where challenging topics are met with honest and thoughtful dialogue. This is Truth Seekers Forum. Joining me in the studio today, as always, is Dr. Adam Nye. Hi. And Pastor Andy Lewis. Hello. All right. So the question, if God knows everything and knows what he plans to do, why do we pray? What is the deal with prayer? Andy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Well, you know, I mean, that is a very good question because you're wrestling with who is God and and our relationship with God. But But here's my first observation from that question. That question is approaching God philosophically from a very transactional look at who God is and how God works. So what I mean by machine of sorts, kind kind of, yeah, it's it's very transactional. That makes a lot of sense. We are you're going to hear me talk a lot about this in this podcast. We live in a consumptive. If you you could make the argument, and and others have that the real religion of the West is consumption. Mm. And so everything kind of gets relegated down to sort of a transactional thing. And even the question itself sounds a bit transactional. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's a, li- it's a transactional line of thinking rather than thinking in terms of the communion of relationship. Mm. And so in a sense, it's almost sort of like asking a question like a consumer treating God as if he was Costco, as opposed to a God who has emotions and intellect and will, and that when you enter into a dialogue, a conversation, a request, a form of vulnerability, which mm-hmm. is all these things when you're talking about prayer, with a, a being with intellect, emotion, and will, it's not put in coin, get certain outcome. It just doesn't work that way. So that would be my first observation. I don't know, what, what, where would you go with that, Adam? I really, I really like that. I think the consumerism, consumption, as you put it, is a key starting point to kind of diagnosing the question. Because one thing about the question is that the problem is not entirely evident within it. You know, you say, okay, God knows everything, so why should we pray? I'm like, well, why does why is that a problem? Right. You know, and so diagnosing yeah. why we're upset about that situation, I do think that sort of transactional thing really helps shine a light on why that would bother people. Um, another thing that, you know, comes to mind as I think about that question is within theological circles, um, not all par- parts of that question are taken as a given. Hmm. Um, there are a lot of people, there's a couple of movements of theology within the last century that want to question whether God uh, knows everything from the beginning. I just want to sort of point that up and yeah. acknowledge that there are people who, who, I think through some problems like this, want to sort of say, no, that that is a problem. So we need to maybe take that apart. I'll say, I mean, just for the uh, and it's the in the interest of brevity, I take it as a biblical fact that God does know uh, what He's going to do. It, Isaiah forty six talks yeah. about Him, you know, declaring the end from the beginning, um, so that um, so that that is the reality we face. We do pray f- to a God, and uh, and and we don't just do it because we want to. I mean, God invites us. I might even use the word commands <laughs> us to bring to Him uh, our requests that we, we lay before him, our needs, that vulnerability is such a great word you use that we be vulnerable for, before God and acknowledge to him that we don't have within ourselves the means to provide for our own, uh, necessities. And so we, we go to God at that God tells us to, and he knows the end from the beginning. The, the Bible doesn't seem to 
reflect any kind of tension between those things. Yeah. We might be guilty of bringing the problem with us yeah. to the question. So that's maybe the, my first thoughts of that is like, you know, let's really kind of dwell on that question and figure out why it's a problem. And I think the the transactional thing is definitely a good starting point for that. Well, and I think the other thing that you can see here, what what is our model of, of uh, a relationship with God that's not transactional? And one of the p- most perfect scenes was a scene in the Garden of Gethsemane where the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who we on this podcast believe was God in human mm-hmm. flesh, cried out quite honestly and quite vulnerably. He knows the cross is coming. He's He knows the sovereignty of God's going to prevail. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a cross. There is going to be a crucifixion. There is going to be death. There's going to be a, a tomb. Um, and he, he knows there will be a resurrection, but he knows the portal through which he's about ready to face. And yet he still prays. He says, he says, if it is possible, he pleads. And it says he pleads so much. Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, he goes into the doctor's analysis of what's now, it's called hematitrosis or whatever, where it's bloody sweat, mm. where he, he had great drops of blood of... You know, so he even goes in the diagnosis of such fear and such vulnerability. He says, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I don't want to drink death and crucifixion, but nevertheless, not my will, let your will be done. Yeah. And I, to me, that's such a great picture of, of what prayer is. It was this communion of honesty and vulnerability with God, letting God be the one who defines where the thing ultimately goes, knowing that he knows best mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and that is a wrestling match, and, and it's reflected. And yeah. even that prayer. Yeah. yeah that's good. Um, a- another thing that comes to mind for me in this question is how we, I-, I think, this might not be true for everybody, but I think behind this question, and, and I don't want to get super technical on this, but I think a lot of us bring a kind of philosophically abstract notion of God with us into the Bible. So we think in terms of categories of eternity, timelessness, uh, omnipotence, um, omnipresence. Uh, maybe not everybody has those words, but if you did go to Bible college or seminary, you're, you know, you're subject, Those are the classic words. You're you subjected know. to words like that. Yeah. Um, that, beca- I don't know, because they're big words seem to communicate a reality just in that word. And so we think about God existing, uh, you know, outside of time and um, having this sort of absolute being that we we have in at least our minds a kind of clear picture of what that would mean, and it seems to problematize all of God's relations as they're uh, to to people as they're narrated in the Bible. You know what I mean? Um, the way God can um, you know show up, He can be present. Well, if we have our notion of omnipresence with us, that actually might seem to be a problem. How can God become present in a particular situation if He's omnipresent? Mm. He's already present. I, I say that just to say that sometimes we bring what are actually kind of overly philo- uh, sophisticated philosophical understandings of, of who and what God is with us, and we maybe give them a, a higher, uh, deeper place in our thinking than what the Bible just says yeah. and who the Bible uh, says God is. And and we make we ironically make these statements of God's greatness a limitation on God's ability to actually do something. Like, um, like hear God. and answer prayer. Like if, right. so that's in this case, oftentimes because God already knows, because God knows all things, 
that becomes for us a problem with God relating to us, yeah. with God actually coming into a moment where we express something and he is able to hear and answer. How can a God answer who already knows the question and the answer before we've given it? Right. Um, oftentimes I think, so I guess that's my way of saying sometimes we just, we're making the problem where if we just read the Bible and, and, and respond to God as he presents himself there, he says, you know, without trying to figure out how I'm eternal, how I can be both outside of time and inside of time and all these kinds of things, maybe just trust that I've called you into a relationship in which I tell you, you can pray to me right. and you can, you can ask me for things. And I'm a good father who wants to hear and respond and, and that that should be the deeper first commitment than these philosophical conceptions about God's bigness. And I would agree with that because here's the thing is that, you know, the thing we've got to allow God is the mystery to be who he is. Mm -hmm. Now we go, oh, okay, they fell into the whole mystery thing. Like right. all those faith people, I go, wait, 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 oh, hear me out. I am still entering into the mystery of who my wife is. Mm. 23 years into marriage. Sure. I, every, each and every day I'm finding new aspects of the fullness of this not just merely three-dimensional, but spiritually dimensioned and emotionally and physically and mentally dimensioned mm -hmm. human being. Right. And we do this every day with people we're in relationship with. We enter into the mystery of learning new things about them mm -hmm. and learning, you know, we think they're going to act a certain way, but then the, the mystery of, whoa, they turned right. I thought they'd go left. Right. And we do that in human relationships all the time. So when you hear me say, it's okay to enter into the mystery of how God will behave or mm -hmm. react when we enter into his invitation to pray, we do that all the time in human relationships. So don't get all mad or upset <laughs> when I go, it's just, there's that same kind of thing that we're entering into what Adam was saying about God. Mm. Yeah. C can I ask a question? It, it, Let me check the note. Yes. All right. Yes, I didn't know. I'm not, the, yes. <laughs> I'm not Devin. Something uh, to think about. Well, so one question I have on this, what this question makes me think about, are, are those very interesting um, places in the Bible where it, it seems to narrate an instance of God changing his mind. I was thinking of those same things, like right. uh, Jonah. Um, yeah, he says out. he's going to destroy Nineveh. Right, right. And then look, he doesn't destroy Nineveh. Right. And the Bible doesn't end with, and so God falsified himself and or, the universe imploded. Or, Abraham, uh, <laughs> or Abraham's walking along the way and he goes, will you spare with this many people in Sodom and Gomorrah? And Yeah, that one, I'm not sure if he concretely changes his mind, but like with Moses, where he's like, okay. I'm going to destroy the people yeah. and start over with you. And Moses is like, no, no, no. You would never do that. And God's like, okay, I guess you're right. Good point. King Hezekiah, who's supposed to die and gets some more years. So, okay. So that's, I mean, that's like, you know, I, I, I say, I started talking about this stuff in the last episode. I talked, I, I was saying how I started having these conversations when I was young. Uh, this was one of the ones when I was in high school, I was, you know, looking at those things. I'm like, is that real? Like, did God actually change his mind or do we have to, you know, Im impose more of a notion of God's omniscience onto the scene and, and allow him to just kind of be pretending to change his mind for the sake of the, you know, the, the biblical character he's interacting yeah. with? Um, Andy, how would you answer that question? Well, I, I mean, I think I would, I, I, it, I was kind of almost pre-answering it with my conversation about mystery. Yeah. With, yeah, with you good. bringing that up. Yeah. I I think I I'd probably defer to the mystery thing too. That uh, I mean I I am committed to the idea of God's omniscience. Yeah. I don't think he didn't know. Yeah. How uh, how Moses was going to respond. Right. But at the same time, 
I do have a difficult time with any notion of just a facade. I've got – or a charade, just being like, let me pretend I'm going to do this right. just to get this reaction out of you. I, I don't know. I don't have that big of a problem with it, but I have something – you know, I would like there to be a better solution to that. Well, and I think everybody limiting. should be encouraged that a theologian here is admitting to a sense of mystery that it, you do sometimes arrive at, I don't know. Yeah. God oh, yeah. is who oh. God is. I mean, I will say whatever's going on in those passages, it won't bring me to the place of denying God's omniscience, mm -hmm. even in related to his own plans for the future. Yeah. Um, and nor will it allow me to uh, come to a God who is happy to use deception as a tool of discipling his people. Right. Neither one of those are good answers. Right. I don't know necessarily what the good answer is, yeah. but <laughs> those are two I don't like. But I'd, I'd <laughs> say in the final result on this question of prayer for the person who's asking it, the Bible is fills with numerous places of people just, and I just used one a minute ago about Jesus himself, pouring out his heart in authentic mm. conversation, right. not magical incantations of stringing a bunch of words together like Harry Potter in some certain <laughs> kind of form in order to elicit power right. or an outcome. It's a conversation and conversations that can be raw and real. People in the Psalms literally praying, God, I want you to shatter their teeth to God, you're a God of grace and mercy and everything in between. And I think, you know, that that that's the end result to me is talk to God. It 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 C.S. Lewis says I I don't pray so much because it changes God, because it changes me. Mm. That's a part of it. I don't agree that's the totality of it, but it also but it also is a, you know, it does change us and it does change the world. And God says, ask, seek, knock. Yeah. I'm actually pretty comfortable with with Lewis's statement that like oh i'm comfortable with yeah. it i'm just saying it doesn't yeah. define the whole of right. what's going on well yeah i guess i was just you know i i don't i don't know how that i have there probably is something to add to that but i don't know that i have much to add to that so okay. like I, it's important that prayer not change god you know i pray because i trust that god is the same forever and yeah. and that his love and his determination to be the kind of god who wants fellowship and wants wants to um you know be the kind of father who knows how to give good gifts to his children, that that's there before I ask for it. Right. That I'm not praying in order to make him into a, a something other than the good God he is. So yeah, I don't pray to change God. I I do pray to enter into that uh, that fellowship he calls me to so that I would be changed in that fellowship. I, I, I think the only thing it. I would just add to that dynamic is the parable where Jesus says, you know, if you go to a neighbor in midnight and you just keep bugging them to give you a loaf of bread, they'll get up and give it to you. Mm -hmm. And he uses that as an analogy. It's like you can essentially pester God for the things that you know you, you care about. Right. And again, I, what Adam and I are reflecting here, again, is that aspect of mystery of you know, God is who God is, and we get to enter into the mystery of how he will how we will be changed in the conversation. And that does often happen where our request actually changes to, actually, I think I want this now after <laughs> we've processed it in conversation. But sometimes it is a long road of just pestering God about something that, you know, we long for deeply and he responds as he responds. Yeah. Well, let me build on that because I think that that brings up an, an interesting and perhaps obvious question, right? And that is this, if we have, as an example, um, so a loved one that is stricken with a horrible disease, right? And that's where this question hits the road. Well, this, and yeah. I think so, right? And and so pray, 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 right. pray. There's no change, yeah. right? Um, so one, 
does that go in the face of the examples that have been shared so far about the ability to change God? And two, what happens if there is another set of people with similar circumstances where a loved one is stricken with a disease and pray, 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 pray and miracle happens. So I guess one question is, can we really change God's mind? The other question is, how come some people can and some people apparently can't? Yeah. That's a really, to me, like I said, that's where this question hits, the rubber hits the road with this question. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you, you've got stories of people like Ted Turner from Turner Network Television who went to church faithfully. And then when he prayed to God to heal his mom of cancer, became a devout atheist. Right. Those are, those are there's, repl there's, Libraries filled mm -hmm. with stories of people right, like that, right. um, and it's—I get it. It's a legitimate response to pain. It really is. Um, I, I think, though, you know, I'll speak from my own experience, and then maybe this will help and kind of inform Adam's kind of be able to take it from a theological perspective. But you know, my mother suffered from Parkinson's disease for thirty years, and um, it, was an, it was an interesting kind of dialectic dialogue with God, because of course our family pray that God would heal her and extend her days. God never chose to heal her. Parkinson's never backed off. Mm -hmm. It just kept encroaching more and more and more until 30 years later, she lost her fight against mm -hmm. Parkinson's. But in hindsight, I look back and I realized in the mystery again of God, sorry, I keep coming back to that in this, but that God's mystery was not that he healed her, but that he gave her more days than normally you get with mm. Parkinson's. Normally you've got 12 to 15 years, usually, when you're diagnosed mm. with it. Mm. And that was his answer to our pleading prayer in that case. Um, I, like, I like the way one guy talked about it. Um, There's a pastor um, up, in, up in Wisconsin, I, f I forget his name, he just died recently from, um, it's not Lou Gehrig's disease, I forget, um, his name will come back to me. But he, he was being prayed for, the, the, st the stream of faith that has such great faith in God's capacity to heal. And we, that's a whole other discussion. We can talk about that. I believe God can heal. Um, but he's like, well, what do I do? You know, if God does heal or chooses not to heal and whatever. And, and I love the response of this. Uh, I think he was a Pentecostal pastor. He says, hey, man, we're just entering into the mysteries of God. Mm. Let's just pray for you and let's see what he decides to do. And in oh, uh, Ed Dobson is his name, and he died just recently. A fairly influential pastor. He's written some books, mm -hmm. and um, he didn't get healed. Ed didn't get healed. Ed Ed died. However, I can say in the intervening years of those pleadings of his family, God used him mightily. He he had a much more authentic ministry about how does God deal with us in our brokenness and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So. That's not a theological take. That's kind of like on the ground of people's experience of that question. Yeah. Well, yeah, my, my theological answer would be um, Pastor Ed, as you just described, uh, was not healed yet. Um, yeah. And that's that's been a really important thing for me yeah, to, to realize is that, I mean, I get a lot of people, you know, have asked me a question because I, I did serve as a pastor for a while. And um People would ask me in that ministry when they had people who were sick, who were kind of struggling over like the uh, God knowing what he's going to do. They're struggling right. over God knowing his perfect will. Like if I pray for my my aunt to get healed, am I praying potentially against God's will? If he yeah. already knows he's not going to heal her, is it bad to pray against God's will? And how do you know how to – is it right to always pray for healing or do you just have to pray, God, if it's your will, heal? 
And I think the answer to that is to realize biblically that it is concretely revealed as God's will will to heal. There's no question about that. It's not that part of it is not a mystery. Hmm. There's no there's no mysterious balance in God's will between life and death, between health and sickness. His will is life, health, sickness, and death are the consequence of sin. The Bible's very very clear about that. So. The question of whether I should pray for someone's healing, to me, the answer is always yes, with the full confidence that God will and has answered that question in the affirmative by raising Christ from the dead. Hmm. Christ overcame. That's the end game for the believers, right. the resurrection. Yeah. It's, it, the, Christ was raised from the mm-hmm. dead, and in Christ, all will rise. Every sick person I've ever known who, is, who has been in Christ will be healed. Any answer in the short term to that, um, if someone is healed of cancer in the short term, yeah. that's a wonderful thing to thank God for. But even there, that's not fully the answer. That's not the full heal- healing. Right. right. That's that's a sign. Yeah. That's, that mm-hmm. is a temporary sign of what I've really asked for. And maybe I didn't even know that. Maybe what, what I thought yeah. was, I mean, because ultimately what that really is is a few more years. Right. No matter, no matter what kind of healing we're talking mm-hmm. about, if, if it's... It, within this life, all that means is a few more years. Even Lazarus's resurrection, right? He died. Lazarus later. went on to die. Yeah, and Lazarus and be fully waiting. healed in the in the life to come. Exactly. So to me, yeah. that having that what we call an eschatological perspective mm-hmm. that we are still in the middle of this story, and that um, the the ultimate Christian hope is for the return of Christ and the you know resurrection from the dead for all of us who are in Him to full health, full life, eternal health, eternal eternal life. Um, that to me is what praying for the sick can really condition us to long for. Um, and it's not wrong to pray for the healing of the sick in the here and now, but just to recognize that what I'm praying for is, is a sign to, to experience the eternal kingdom now in some measure, which we are all called, called to do. That is where the mystery is. Why does God do a sign of that eternal healing here and not there? Good. That's and a good insight. It's frustrating. Yeah. To like, because you wish, well, why, why can't we have that insight mm-hmm. here and now? It's like, yeah, that is God is God. The resurrection is something that He does. Healing is something that He does. There's no when Godium Leviosa magic spell that uh, that I can. Sorry, that was a Harry Potter reference. Right, right. All, <laughs> all my fellow nerds out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that there is something somewhat disappointing about that. But it'll only be disappointing to the degree that we are we do not have our eyes fixed on the return of Christ as the real answer to the 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 longing we have and the prayer we have. So what about all of the feeds that come across my Facebook page with please pray for so and so. Is there is there strength in numbers? Does it matter if it's me praying for someone that's mm. sick versus, you know, everyone that's following me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook? I'd say there's there's strength and solidarity. I don't know I mean numbers are I, I suppose tangentially related to that. Um but it's not really, I don't know this about numbers, but it, you know, it's, there is strength in us praying for each other because we become bound more and more together in our faith. Um, and in our, in our deepening longing for the kingdom, as we bear each other's burdens and pray for one another and pray for the family members in each other's lives. It, I think it helps condition all of us to, to seek the kingdom and just to love one another all the more. And I mean, do numbers matter? Well, you know, if, if, I've got more people loving me than less. I, I 
I don't know. I have no problem that with sense, that. Yeah, yeah, sure. It matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have much to add. I I think the only thing would be to say here's what it's not. It's not like, you know, if I get 300 Facebook posts of people praying, <laughs> right. now I've strong-armed yes. God right. into what I want or something right. like God's that. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Perfect number. Yeah. So there, there's got... not there's not the the iTunes algorithm that God is right. going by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. What what about this though? Because we've talked about people trying to to use prayer as a way to either heal or bring into suffering, things like that, extend life, things yeah. like that. What about the prayers that we see? Hey, you know what? Um, my cat is missing. Or, hey, I've got a test today. Or, hey, I've got this menial everyday thing I have to go through. I've got, I've got to go to the DMV today. Pray for me, folks. Um, yeah. Is that legitimate? Is that people that um, call themselves Christians totally taking prayer out of context and perverting it? What is that? Mm. Well, I... I, I, I and you'll hear me do this a lot in this conversation. I always try to make sense out of this thing that I've been called into with the gospel, the good news, in terms of like a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no small thing in the best of relationships that I have, the closest relationships I, that I can talk about. Hey, I'm going over to this, you know, today I'm going to record a podcast. I'll be back on the way. I'm going to pick up a dozen eggs or, you know, <laughs> kind of thing because it's this relationship. It is an ongoing dynamic of communing together and sharing life. Mm -hmm. If that's an analogy that's somewhat close, then you can talk to God about anything, you know? And, and then when I tie it together with, you know, Jesus's words is like, you know, the very hairs on your hair, head are numbered. There's that real intimacy in that kind of description. It's an interesting in, a description yeah. that he uses. So that would be my take. I don't know. What, what would you say, Adam? I, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And it, not just the, that sort of vertical relationship with me and God, like I can tell him anything. I mean, also, yeah, yeah. is it legit to ask my Christian friends to pray for uh, my trip to the store to get a dozen eggs. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Sure. Now, is there, is there potential for abuse there? Yeah. Tons. yeah. I, I've, yeah. um, you know, I, I taught at a Christian high school and, you know, I, I think a lot of people who do that, uh, I think Devin, you have some experience with this too. Um, <laughs> you, you, you'll Where do you take, think I get these questions? <laughs> you'll take prayer requests at the beginning of a right. class. Like yeah. you, at least you do that for your first year or so. Uh, until yeah. and like, uh, would you pray for my like my new video for the game football game tonight? That it comes yeah. Right, yeah, right, right. football yeah. game. That's yeah. that's much better. But, I mean, now is that wrong to pray for that? No, but over time you could tell there's there's it can devolve to where there's no spiritual interest. You're using spiritual language and spiritual uh, I don't know shared assumptions to just make an announcement. Right, it's narcissistic. Right. Where you right. get everybody's right. attention, and so of course there's that danger of abuse. But I wouldn't want. I don't want to press on that danger so hard that people just back off from sharing their prayer requests with one another because that's just so wonderful and worth doing. I'd risk the the nervousness. Yeah. Am, am I just sort of being, you know, a, an attention hog? If this is burdening you, if this is something that's just really deeply on your heart and you have people that love Christ and that love you, yeah, share it with Put them. Put it out there. Yeah. What about the flip side of that coin, though? Because there are... Uh, equally, if not more people who don't want to, quote unquote, burden other people. So they're afraid to ask others for prayer. What, yeah. what about those? What would you say to I grew up in a Christian home that was like that. And the, the, the mantra was, we take prayer requests, we don't give them. <laughs> and I don't think that's healthy either, mm -hmm. you know, where you kind of become a, a place in which, because Adam has been doing a great job talking about it. It's not just, it's not just the vertical, but it's the horizontal communal aspect mm -hmm. of our, of a life of prayer, a life mm -hmm. of conversation with mm -hmm. God, mm -hmm. and then a life of conversation with God together. 
um, whether it's via Facebook community or, you know, physical presence community. And, and, you know, it, it, it's important to try it to actually be authentic and to be real and to share with one another burdens, whether it's actual physical burdens, like your Mm -hmm. fence fell down, let's me help you put it back up, but also prayer burdens and praying for one another. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say for the person who is overly nervous about that, A, if you, yeah, if you live that way, don't be surprised if you find yourself experiencing some spiritual isolation and loneliness because right. you haven't, you know, risked being vulnerable with other people. But on the other side, um, I've definitely had some experiences of being burned, being vulnerable, um, you know, showing other people my um, spiritual burdens and um, especially, you know, there's no risk if you're asking somebody to pray for you about something that has nothing to do with them. But when things get hard in your life and the people around you are involved by that and they're touched by that, and then you open yourself, um, yeah, you might you might find a different kind of loneliness as people can't bear your burden hmm. and they pull away. And there's there there is a measure of risk involved. You, you know, being vulnerable really does mean yep. risking that vulnerability and not every person or Christian or even pastor in our lives will have the spiritual bandwidth to take Hmm. what, you know, so you have to, you know, there is a a measure of wisdom that has to be uh, used, but on, you know, go back to where I was before. I would never want to press that so hard that people are like, okay, then I don't want to risk that. Like, well, if you don't risk it, then you definitely will be alone. Right. Whereas if you risk it, yeah, Right. You, you give God an opportunity to, you know, and help to me, you find the people that are going to What you just said about the horizontal aspect, it brings me right back to the very beginning, which mm-hmm. maybe this is our <laughs> climax of this, is that it is that vulnerability with God. You know, if we're, we don't enter into prayer transactionally expecting that if I say these certain words, then here's the outcome I'm going to get out of you. Right. We enter into it very vulnerably, not knowing how it's going to turn out and what mm-hmm. he's going to do. No, but we do know he's sovereign and we do know that he is a God of goodness and holiness and all these other, you know, aspects about him and he will be consistent with that. But how that, how that will play itself out in our vulnerability with him, we don't know. And, and how would you two respond to, I guess, what has been classically labeled as kind of like the triangulation of prayer? So if we're, if the three of us are sitting together and we say, we're going to begin with prayer and I say, you know, Lord, would would you just help Andy with, um, you know, um, his meanness towards me, and that that he could be a more gentle, loving person towards me? Um, amen. Amen. <laughs> so there's obviously that that goes beyond, you know, what, <laughs> yeah, maybe would be a, a a healthy, righteous way to pray. Right. So how do we deal with that? Because inevitably, we if we're not those people, we come across those people. At some point in our life. Yes. So how do we respond to that? I mean, my theological answer <laughs> is that uh, no one's more of a jerk than the like spiritual sanctimonious jerk. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah, people can use. <laughs> That's the they, ugliest. <laughs> you can use. Yeah, yeah. People can use all kinds of the beautiful things God calls us to, mm. to be really ugly. How do you respond to that? Gosh, I don't, I mean, yeah, hopefully learn from it and like, gosh, I don't want to be that guy. But wait, am I being self-righteous and judgmental by saying, God, help that guy not to be that guy. No, I don't want to do it like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like we, we've been talking about, we just are not perfect. 
and we're gonna we're gonna use every means at our disposal to try to leverage life in our favor, even right. if it's our right. prayers. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Sometimes that is so accurate it it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So. I mean, sorry. Just to kind of put like because that that question really is uh, getting in my head, and I and the vertical and the horizontal both matter a lot, but I do think to the degree we are we are rooted in that. Um, that vertical presence to the degree we're praying in my head, I want to say something like to degree we're praying ugly and honest with Mm -hmm. God that we're not trying to impress God with our prayers Mm -hmm. that we're just really being, um, we're really coming to God and not just, you know, there's something unhealthy even I think maybe about that, that all we do in our prayer is just be ugly before God. Sure. But to the degree we genuinely seek God as the messes we are, um, I I do think hopefully there is a curing aspect of that in our horizontal, uh, you know, communal prayer lives. Yeah. We'll be less manipulative in our prayer lives with one another when we're rooted in our, um, you know, me and Jesus time. Well, as we get ready to land the plane with this episode, let, let me just let's go out with this. And is there a specific method, model, way to pray? Mm. I'll say, I mean, I, number one, I, I don't think there's any way of praying that is, that is faithful, that is rejected by God. I mean, if you come to God and just start, yeah, you just kind of have your, your stream of consciousness telling them everything you're thinking. I don't think God's like, you know, come go, ahead, go away and clean that up and bring it back. And then maybe I'll listen. Um, but for myself, I do pray the Lord's prayer a whole lot. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That, I mean, it was, a, it was a realization late in life, probably because of our, the church culture I grew up in, which was kind of Jesus as my homeboy, sort of like prayers, just sort of chatting with God. Kind of late in life, I realized, you know what? I don't really know how to pray. Hmm. Pray is not a natural, you know, my natural instinct is to get as far away from God as I can, hmm. not to come near God. Hmm. So the idea that I can just go chat with him, um, it's not, I mean, it's true that I can but there's something so formative in the Lord's prayer that it begins with this confession of, of who God is, that he's, you know, he is my father, but he's also in heaven. He has that, to use some seminary words, transcendence and eminence hmm. right there. And it has me dwelling on that and it has me um, bringing my needs to him. It has me confessing my sin and being ready to forgive the sins of others. Hmm. It, it just, it really has a soul shaping effect in it the more mm. I, I pray the Lord's Prayer. Well, and just to piggyback off of that, you know, and I've even taught this for years because uh, it was shared with me, there's like five key issues that are found within the Lord's Prayer that are really good issues that need to be covered, at least in our human experience. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, hallowed meaning, separate out from me. Who, who am I talking to? Mm. So the first issue is, oh, wait, God is a heavenly father. He's a good father. Much of what we've been contending with in this question today, mm-hmm. you know, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Okay, the crucible of whose will's better today. Right. Yeah. That's that's that second issue. And then give us this day our daily bread, which is where the, the place that most of us are good at camping out on the issues mm-hmm. of what I need today. Right. And then, you know, give us a day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted against us. Relationships, the issues of forgiveness and reconciliation and seeking God's help in that. And then finally, deliver us from evil in the original, the evil one, mm-hmm. that there is an enemy who's trying to trip us up between the knees and, and, and hurt and destroy us. That's a whole other episode. 
But Jesus believed it, and he said that's something to be praying for. And that and that's a really good model. And it's great to go right straight to the source because the disciples themselves, the original ones, were like, yeah. what are we supposed to do? And Jesus said, here's your model. Totally. Yeah, yeah I agree. The, the other thing I, I I probably, people have probably heard this a thousand times, but on the the one we tend to want to camp out on, telling God what we need, yeah. even there I think Jesus is, is counterintuitive to the way I want to pray by praying, Give us this day our daily bread. For what we're dealing with right now. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I want to pray, God, give me this day a billion dollars so I never have to ask you for anything again. Yeah. I don't want to have to come and ask again tomorrow. Right. But Jesus is like, no, just give us what we need for today. That's a great point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, that's going to wrap up this episode, and we'll look forward to getting back together again next time. Wow.